0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome, everybody, to SEC Football and Beyond. It is already Friday, and it's Friday... Gosh, what is the date today, Neil? It is July 9th. Okay, it's uh, already there, July 9th, and we're a couple of weeks away from um, media days. So that's going to be, Neil, Well, as I welcome in my partner, Neil McCready. Happy Friday to you, my friend.
2: Thank you, Chris. Happy Friday to you. uh, I've had this conversation with people today already at nine o'clock in the morning. People like, hey, man, where's the football stuff? And it's you have to remind them, and I'm talking about Ole Miss football specifically, you have to remind people that, listen, I, I, I know that it's getting close, but it's not here yet. They're not practicing. In fact, the coaches are kind of all on vacation, and this is that you know this from working in the field. A lot of the, a lot of the coaches and stuff, this is the, kind of the last hurrah. They take one last little break before you come back, and it's a full sprint all the way to the new year
1: and neil will be at sec media day and neil refresh us all that is starting i guess media day week is a week from this coming monday am i correct on that that's or, right that's okay.
2: right uh, so that would be the club as well that'd be the 19th through the 22nd i think uh, i'll be there uh, monday tuesday wednesday i won't be there for the thursday uh, stuff but I'll be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, I'll be talking to people for my podcast, and I'll be getting information that we'll talk about on on this podcast that week and beyond. So uh, it's good. You know, they didn't have it last year. Um, Yeah. You know, you think about all the things that we we missed last year, and I do remember thinking last July how odd it was because I've covered the league for as long as I've covered it. I've always gone to media days for at least a day, Um, you know, Sometimes I've just gone for the – like when I covered Auburn, there were a couple of times I just went for the day that Auburn was going. And when I've covered Ole Miss, there have been a couple of times that I've just gone for the day that Ole Miss was going. But um, there have been a lot of years that I've stayed the whole time or most of the whole time. And, and it is um, it is kind of a time as a writer that – as a reporter that you do sort of kind of get your mind back on it a little bit. We're not all like uh, Chris here who thinks about it 24-7, 365. <laughs> <laughs> We have some topics coming up at today's show where I'm like, I have no idea. and ah, well, I'm, I'm well, going to well. respond to his. But, but you know, it's going uh, to be good. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's back in Birmingham. They're having to um, – I, I give a ton of credit. I'm going to say this real quick. I'm going to say it a few times in the next couple of months because I think it's easy for people to uh, forget. And I think it's easy for people to get so excited about the coming season, which is great that they don't acknowledge the heroes, frankly, Chris, who made a 2020 season possible. And uh, next Monday, Greg Sankey will step on that podium and he'll talk about NIL and he'll talk about expanded playoffs and he'll talk about a lot of the different things. He probably won't talk about his role in saving the 2020 season. And this time a year ago, July the 9th, 2020, Chris, there was a remarkable amount. I think it was before you and I had started the show. There was a remarkable amount of pessimism about whether a season would occur. In fact, there was a, there was a, real, uh, there was a real undercurrent that turned out to be accurate that, boy, the Big Ten, Pac-12, they're not going to do this. This isn't going to happen. And it happened because the SEC said, no, we're going to play. And the ACC said, okay, well, if you're going to play, we're going to play. And the Big 12 said, well, if you guys are going to play, we're at least going to think about it. That's why it happened. So a lot of credit goes to Greg Sankey. A lot. Because it took real courage. Because this time a year ago, Chris, it wasn't the politically correct thing to say, no, we're going to play football. We're going to try to play football. And Greg Sankey handled it. He's an, In my mind, he's an absolute hero because if if the SEC goes along on August the 9th or 10th, whenever that was, and says, no, you know what? We can't do it either. We're out. There is no season. It never gets revisited. But by the SEC doing it and doing it the way that they did it and then bringing people along, credit to the Sun Belt and some of those teams, so leagues that said, okay, well, we're going to do it, by them doing it, it sort of, exposed the idiocy that was involved in the decisions at the Big Ten level, at the Pac-12 level, And we got a season in. And so we go into this year with everybody talking about football, and, and that's great. And I want to talk about football, too. I don't want to do a lot of COVID stuff. But I do want to give credit to Greg Sankey and the people at the SEC office who stepped up in a big moment and said, whoa, slow down. It's possible that we won't be able to play this season. It's, it's a real possibility that we just can't do it. But we owe it to ourselves, to the players, to the coaches, to the fans, to give it everything we can to do it. And then if we get to a point where you can't do it, then you just can't do it. But they found out that they could do it, and a ton of credit goes to them.
1: Well said. And Neil mentioned there that we started this show uh, about a year ago. It's not quite a year. I think we started – Uh, closer to the season in August and we have been hinting in fact we've been talking a little bit about it I know I did last week when Neil was out and we've got it wrapped up we've been working behind the scenes and we're really excited to share with you some big news today and I'm gonna mention this um, now and I'm gonna mention this probably a couple more times because it's a it's a it's, it's not anything that is, it's a great news, it's good, but we want to make you aware of something that we are changing the day that we're going to be doing this show live. We, starting Monday, this Monday, July 12th, we're going to be, for those of you, and we appreciate those that join us live, um, we're going to be at 5 p.m. Central, um, 6 p.m. Eastern obviously starting Monday, and Thursdays. So that'll be our schedule, Monday and Thursdays at 5 p.m. Central, 6 Eastern Time. What this will do, it'll do a couple of things. We are we're hoping that we can get even more folks. As we realize that this is a time of day where people are getting into the office and they have meetings or whatever, can't join us, hopefully 5 p.m. will get maybe more people live um, that can join us. And then what it'll also do, if you like to consume this show through the podcast form, which this show is available, it'll be available. Go right if you signed up and subscribed. go right to uh, your phone, and you can listen to it on your mobile device uh, first thing in Tuesday morning and Friday morning. So um, we are um, going to watch it, and I already see some news that uh, drinking and watching is now on the agenda from some of our folks. We, hey, we'll, we'll take you any way we can get you. So, uh, real simple. Um, if you consume us watching it, you'll be able to do it the same way. Twitch TV, YouTube, Facebook. Um, we're doing this because we're partnering with the great folks at uh, the Podcast Park in Atlanta. For those of you that watch this show on Twitch, you know that the After This Show, at 11 p.m. Central, Chuck Oliver, has a college football show that focuses on the SEC and the ACC that's on the Chris Landry Football Twitch channel. And so we're really partnering with the folks at the Podcast Park. So if you get this show and it goes to your mobile device, relax. It's going to still go to you the same way. It's going to be transitioned over easily for you. You don't need to worry about anything. If you have any troubles, um, sign up wherever you Sign up for your podcast providers, Apple, Spotify, whatever, to thepodcastpark.com. That's T H E P O D C A S T park.com. So, um, or, and then you can uh, get us via the Southern Sports Today app. We are partnering with the great folks and are excited um, about doing that. So, uh, again, live Mondays. And Thursdays, 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, you'll have an earlier drop. So if you want to listen to it in podcast form earlier, before you go to work, you can do that. want to listen to us live uh, at the end of the day. We're really excited about that, Neil. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll mention this a couple of more times. I, I will tell you, too, that what we're going to start doing Monday is we're going to start our detailed uh, breakdowns of the teams. Monday is going to be Arkansas and Vanderbilt, state of the programs. How did the team look? You know, we've gone over some things and teasing with schedules and all that, but I'm talking about details a little bit. What I will do, and and, and I've kind of gone through all of my notes, uh, film grade notes from last year, uh, spring practice notes, and, and a lot of things, and all these previews up at LandryFootball.com. There, there are a lot of notes I'm going to kind of – to narrow it down. We'll talk on things that I think are really important, and we've got a lot of teams that are transitioning with coaches. So we're going to start that. We're going to call it two-a-days. The other thing we're going to mention uh, is we're going to try to kind of coordinate with the network. We're going to get to all your questions. We promise we'll do that. We're probably going to, going forward, maybe take them towards the latter part of the show and kind of Kind of run them in because we've got so many things we get to. Uh, I tend to get off topic a little too much. So Neil, in short, we're excited and this is kind of a we got a few things we're going to get to today and we're going to get to them as quickly as possible and talk about some of the best units in the conference and in the country and maybe some players that are nondescript players in the SEC that I've talked a little bit about last week. We'll kind of continue with that, but we're excited about the changeover to the folks with Dickey Broadcasting in the Podcast Park. So. I know you are as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Be a little more, a uh, little more production value on the podcast as well. We'll have a little more, a little more guidance, which is going to be good, and it should be a lot of fun. We'll get look forward to get started with it, and um, like I said, it'll be we'll get started next week, and the media days is the week after that, and then boom, it's kind of football.
1: Absolutely, and we do want your involvement. So if you like listening and consuming this show live. Please continue to join us in the chat room. Again, you can do it a number of ways. I always say um, the Chris Landry Football Twitch channel, uh, the Ole Miss um, uh, Rebel Grove. Give, give that again the uh, the YouTube channel that they can catch you uh, on your platform too.
2: Uh, you can get it at Ole Miss Sports or at Rebel Grove.
1: Okay, there you go. And then LandryFootball.com, and, and certainly you can go to. Um, follow Chris on Twitch and catch it right there, and sign up and catch us. So you'll we'll be able to do that as, as you are uh, wanting to kind of ask questions in the show live. We'll get to them. If you like to maybe send a question, as we've got a couple of them um, that we uh, we had uh, sent in. I, I usually get some on Twitter or uh, I get them through email. Which you can go to LandryFootball.com, hit contact Chris, and we'll address it. Um, I'm going to get into, in fact, I, I, I would like to do this. We um, I want to get into some players, but we got some interesting questions that, that was already sent in that we're going to get to. But, you know, I, I, I don't know how much detail we'll get into it, but I, I thought maybe it would be good. People kind of know the top players in the league, um, but I think there's some players, particularly on teams, that are not going to have really good years, but that are really good players that I think people need to know a lot about. Because I think they're really good players and and, you know, every year we see it. We see that it takes place. I mean, I think people know, okay, Matt Corral's a really good quarterback and that um, DeMarvin Leal is a really good defensive lineman and Derek Stingley's a great corner and all of that. But but how many, you know, how, how many other players maybe that are kind of in that mold of really, really good, You may not be aware of them as much, and I thought it would be a little bit fun to kind of um, go through some of them. And, you know, on offense, just some guys that I mentioned and I put down that I wanted to talk about, or at least mention, I'm not going to go into detail, that's too many to go to it. But Kevin Harris of South Carolina, you can make the case going in that he is as good as any running back in the league. Now, are they guys that are a little bit more upside with some other programs? Yes, but how good are they going to be? That offensive line's bad. We're going to get it in when we get into the South Carolina breakdown of some of their issues. That's a really good back. That may not put up great numbers depending on their offensive line play, but he is a really, really good running back that I don't think people know as much about. Another guy on offense that I think is very, very good that maybe at least going into the season, as good a center as we have in the league, is Michael Mayotti from from Missouri. He's a senior. He's outstanding. He's a great technician. Uh, Again, how successful they're going to be as a team and and individually is going to be interesting, but I think he's a really good player. I think people may know a little bit more about this next guy, Darian Kennard. He may be the best tackle in the league from Kentucky. Uh, now, there's some really good ones. I think there's Alabama's going to have some other good offensive linemen, but in terms of left tackles, he's coming in as probably um, the most proven guy. Uh, I think Traylon Burks of Arkansas is a great receiver. I mean, a guy that can be a first-round talent. I don't know how many people know as much about him. I mean, you look at the receivers, and we've seen Alabama um, have great ones. Um, there's no question about that, that, to me, he's a he's a really, really good player. Does Arkansas
2: um, have anybody who can get the ball to Burks, though? That's the deal. I mean, no, is gone. Uh, no, there's there's
1: no question that that's going to be the challenge of Kendall Browse, and they're going to have to find a way to get him in the ball. Now, there's some things you can do in that offense. I mean, I think the RPO game, maybe a little bit more, the quick pass game, it's going to be a lot of run-after-catch, make it. I don't know about downfield, and, and it's why I mentioned him because – Again, I don't know about the big numbers and all that stuff because it will come down to the quarterback play. But I think he's an elite player.
2: See, um, I think Arkansas is going to take a little step back, and I think people are going to realize just how much um, of a stabilizing factor a year ago Felipe Franks was. I, I, I don't think we gave him we not just you and me, but everybody. I don't think we gave him enough credit for kind of the the he was sort of a rock for them. Anyway, I, I interrupted. The no, answer, no,
1: no. I think that's a really a fair point. And I'm a, of the belief that, personally, that K.J. Jefferson has got more. I, I, I was not a big Felipe Franks fan, and what, what makes me excited about what they can do is I, I think they got as much out of him as you can get. I thought they did a phenomenal job with him. But you're right. In terms of a passer, I think it's key. Um, some other guys that I think, uh, I think another, uh, Ricky Stromberg, the center at Arkansas. People know. Um, about the offensive line and in, in which I think he's a really, really good player. Um, I think uh, Vanderbilt has, you know, we know they don't have a lot of talent, but Tyler Steen is a really good offensive lineman. I hope they can stay healthy. I think he's a really good one. Chris Rodriguez, you talk about one of the best backs in the conference. I think one of the better backs in the country from the Kentucky running backs, outstanding. Um, let me remind folks at this time that an outstanding player that's transferred that I think could have an impact in a much-needed spot for Kentucky's offense, Wendell Robinson, transferred from Nebraska. Now, he's a kid that's got a lot. He's a slot back that can do a lot of things. as slot receiver, all-purpose back, and they do a really good job. Um, Leon Coleman's coming in to run that offense. Again, we'll get to that when we break that down. I got to tell
2: you real quick, the teaser, because you've mentioned to several Kentucky guys, and I've kind of started doing a little bit of homework, kind of getting ready for the season and that kind of thing. And the deeper dive that I do on Kentucky, the more Chris, I like them as a, not a contender to win. Don't get me wrong. But I kind of like them as a contender to really surprise people. I mean, no, they're not going to beat Georgia, and, and they're not going to win the East. But if you told me Kentucky finished third in the East, I'd buy it.
1: Yeah, well, I think they will. I think they're. I think they're. It's them and it's Missouri, and I think. I think it's. I mean, I think it's only a two-team race. I. We'll get into it. I think that. I mean, I think South Carolina's in trouble. I think Tennessee's in trouble. I think Vanderbilt's in trouble this year and maybe beyond. I think it's. Those are three really weak teams. Just not just weakest in the SEC, but they're just weak. Uh, they're not good at all. Uh, there are a lot of teams in the power five that are better than those three teams this year. Uh, and, and and I'm so
2: yeah. good up front, you know, when you're when you're and you know this from being in, in covering the league and being a part of the league and everything else, being just being a part of football. When you're as good up front as Kentucky has a chance to be, you can shorten games, you can control games. I, th- I think they're an interesting club. I really do.
1: Yeah, I think the issue is you know they're anything lower than third's a disappointment, and they think that you know maybe they could catch Florida and finish second. I think that's a that's a upside and a that's a that's a ceiling and a floor for Kentucky. The floor would be you know disappointment would be if Missouri ends up being third, but we'll see. You know, I think that's kind of where it is. Um, on the defensive side, some guys that, that I think that are worth mentioning, um, you know, Trey John Jeffcoat from Missouri is a really good player. That uh, a defensive lineman that I think is a player you need to be aware of. I think Kingsley, um, Anagbe Nagbari from from South Carolina is another guy that's for a team that's not very talented and was really awful on defense last year. It's very bad. I think Arkansas. And they're going to need better play here. I think Grant Morgan is very underrated um, as a linebacker. And I think he's a good leader. Gets guys lined up, lined up well. And I think Jalen Catalan, if you're talking about the best safeties in this league, I think Battle from uh, from Alabama and I think Catalan of, of uh, Arkansas is probably as good as any we've got there. And I think that's including Smoke Mundy and Malachi Moore. I mean, I think, I think that's a really good group. I think Josh Paschal from Kentucky, the defensive line again, to go there. Always good at the line of scrimmage is another good one that I think is very good. Um, uh, We also mentioned—I forgot—you talk about the Kentucky offensive line. I kind of skipped over, but Luke Fortner is a really good player. Um, You you know, kind of how they stack up. I would say that of the guys that I mentioned, just looking at overall in the SEC. If I were going to stack up, and I kind of made a list of the best players, college players, not pro prospects, best players in the country, you know, I would put Traylon Burks in the conversation at receiver. Um, I would put him in the conversation of All-American. Now, again, yeah, I think he's that good. Now, I don't think he'll be on the postseason, depending on, again, how the quarterback plays. He's that good. Now, Ohio State's, you can put Ohio State's receivers (laughs) and <laughs> just put them on the All-American team, all three of them, but they've got two of them that are going to be high first-round picks in that year. They look like Alabama's receivers uh, of the past. That's that's Ohio State. Uh, I think that uh, Kenyon Green of AM is somebody, obviously, that people that well-known, the tackle is outstanding. Um, DeMarvin Leal of A&M is really good. Everybody knows Derek Stingley. I think LSU's corners are the best in the country. They've got three that that are really outstanding. The safeties may not be as good. Will Anderson of Alabama. um, I'm curious to see how John Mechie steps up for Alabama because I think he's very underrated. Very, very underrated as a receiver. I think Kayshaun Butte is the next great receiver at LSU. Uh, Edward Ingram, uh, the guard from uh, LSU is really good. Evan Neal is I think going to be an elite player. Georgia's got some outstanding players. Jameer Sailor of the guard there. Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle. Um, Florida's uh, Elam at corner is would would certainly be first team All SEC caliber. Um, those are some just some guys. Um, my talks about the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are a little bit unproven. I probably the only guy that that I would put right now because we've talked about it, there's not a lot of guys that are returning with a lot of experience, but Matt Corral is certainly a guy that's shown a lot of improvement. Um, you know, I do think that when it's all said and done, when we look at the quarterbacks, I think Bryce Young is going to be outstanding. Emory Jones, I think, will be really good. Now, let me just tell you, Dan, Dan over at Florida and talking with him um, about three four weeks ago, he thinks Emory Jones is very underrated as a passer. He thinks he can be really good and make some throws that that even Kyle Trask could. Now, I think what's different is I think their run-pass ratio is going to flip, and I think Emory Jones is going to be a huge factor in the run game, and I think that's going to. So I think he's going to be outstanding, and then I think JT Daniels is going to have a really good year. Um, I think that uh, certainly. The Missouri quarterback uh, Basilick I think, is is got a chance to be a really good player. So, those are some those are some general thoughts and and uh, how things play out, and it's going to be real interesting to see where they go, and um, you know we'll kind of go from there. Um, just some thoughts, I know, before we get into our great uh, one of our great sponsors that we have. Some thoughts that you might have on any of that.
2: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what Florida's quarterback situation looks like because as talented as their roster was a year ago, they lost games. I know they beat Georgia, but they lost games. Um, they, they didn't finish the season strong. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get too bullish on Kentucky as opposed to Florida because I know Florida has a more talented roster up and down. But I do want to see what, what their quarterback situation looks like. You mentioned Missouri. I like Bazelak a year ago. I thought he did a lot of really good things. They had a couple of games late in the year, Arkansas comes to mind where their defense couldn't get stops. And and Basilac played really, really well. And that's the reason they were able to win. I still think I like Kentucky more than Missouri, just in terms of overall rosters, but Basilac is an interesting guy because I think he can I think he's a quarterback who's good enough to go win games. We've had the JT Daniels discussion a good bit. You know, he just didn't play a lot of big games for them. They played well, and they looked like a different team when he was on the field, but that was after they played Florida. It was after they played Alabama. They didn't you know, they didn't play some of the, the bigger-name teams, and he played well in the bowl game against Cincinnati. So they'll be interesting to watch. And then, you know, you mentioned Corral at the very beginning of that. He's one of those guys that you go back and you look at his season at Ole Miss last year, eight and a half out of ten games, Matt was terrific. It's, so the question with him is can he eliminate those glaring warts, right, where he had the game at Arkansas with the six interceptions. that could have easily been seven or eight interceptions. He had that first half in Baton Rouge where he was awful. And he came back in the second half against LSU and was terrific and almost led Ole Miss to a win that day. The, the question for Corral is consistency. And then one of the players you didn't name, who I'm really curious to see how he impacts things, and obviously I cover Ole Miss, so – when I'm doing homework, I'm I'm looking at a lot of Ole Miss stuff because I've got to get ready to write about Ole Miss for four or five six months. I want to see how Chance Campbell, the Maryland transfer, impacts Ole Miss's defense. He played very well at Maryland. He's a kind of a stabilizing guy. He's a very smart player. Uh, and I know that he was a guy that D.J. Durkin, the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, targeted um, in the transfer portal. Um, and we all know. I'm, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. We all know how all this works. I mean, guys are putting feelers out. Uh, they, there was a, there was, they, they targeted uh, Campbell. They they knew that he could come in and be a difference maker, and everything I hear out of the Ole Miss building is that they really like what they see. So he's one of those guys too that I'm interested because Ole Miss to me is one of the wild card teams. Like, you know, you you mentioned Kentucky, you mentioned Florida. Ole Miss is a wild card team because I think you can make an argument they could win nine or 10 games. And I think you can make an argument that they could lose six or seven games. And that's a huge swing. And that's based on the fact that a year ago they were awful on defense. And if they're awful again on defense, they're still going to lose those games. But if they're average or maybe slightly above average, well, then suddenly a lot of those games that they lost a year ago turn into wins. So, those are some of the people that I've, I'm kind of keeping my eye on. But you're right. You mentioned Kentucky a lot. And I'll be honest, Kentucky's one of those teams that as I do some homework, I get a little more bullish on them week after week after week. I, I like that roster. and Their margin for error is pretty thin. But because of their schedule and that kind of thing, Chris, I think the Wildcats have a pretty good upside.
1: Yeah, and I didn't um, – it wasn't a, an exhaustive list. I, I actually sure. mentioned some guys that people didn't know. I I agree with you, and we'll get into when we get into the Ole Miss preview. When I break down what the film tells me on their defense and where their issues are, and and truly, you know, who was statistically the worst defense, but who on film looked the worst in the SEC last year. There's some players that I think I'm I'm really intrigued to see, and that's the impact. But but what I was trying to focus on is some guys that Mm -hmm. I really like. Sure. That you may not hear a lot, like like for example, you, you may not, you may not hear an, uh, a whole lot about Burks at Arkansas, uh, but you're gonna probably see him a little bit um, <laughs> talked about come draft time. And I do I do agree.
2: Go back and look at Burks a year no, ago. Oh, he's outstanding. Big time plays on a on a team that that sometimes struggled to to get the passing game going. Uh, Defensive coordinators focused on him. He went up against some of the best corners in the league week after week after week. No, I'm, I'm with you on Burks. I don't know that I'd go as far as to say, but I know what you mean. He has all-American talent. If you took Burks and put Burks on the Alabama team.
1: Yeah, he, he'd start. He, he, he'd start at LSU. He'd started Alabama. He'd start at Georgia. He'd start at Ole Miss. He's that good. I mean, if you're looking at, yeah, he's he's, yeah, sure. you know. But I don't know that he's going to have those numbers because they're not as good of a team. Which is why I wanted to focus on guys that were, as you're going to see next week when we get into the teams and what their frailties are and where they are. Some of these guys, you're probably not going to hear a lot about them. Other than just hear me talk about them today, that's why I wanted to talk yeah, about. Him. They're you know, really good, but you're not you're sitting there studying centers. You know, it's just like the linebacker from Missouri. He, he's probably as good a linebacker the past two years in the SEC. I don't think anybody ever talked about him.
2: You mentioned the linebacker at Arkansas, for example. <laughs> that that guy was, you know, the season he was as good of a uh, pass coverage linebacker as there was in the league. And this is a league full of really good ones. And I'm not talking about just interception total. It's just his ability to understand where the ball was going, to get in the way in passing lanes. He's, he's athletic at that position. I mean, it's a good league. You know this. I mean, you, you go into a season. I mean, there's a team that's – teams that are going to finish sixth and seventh in the SEC West are good football teams. I mean, you know, like I think, I think Mississippi State and Arkansas are going to finish at the bottom of the SEC West. And I can make an argument for both of those teams being good football teams. You can't do that in every league. That's the the strength of the SEC. We do this all the time, and a lot of times we we look crazy because at the end of the year you look up in a team like this Arkansas team, for example, goes, I don't know, I don't think five and seven for Arkansas is – if I say, hey, I'm picking Arkansas to go five and seven, I don't think that's me being negative. But if you put Arkansas in a different league, they'd win seven or eight games.
1: Yeah, they'd be competitive yeah, in, that's, that's in the, the big,
2: big 12. The top of the league is just so good. Speaking of so good, Blue Sky is so good. They believe in being fast, fresh, and friendly throughout the uh, thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand-name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all. And at Blue Sky, they want to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast.
1: I want to try to look at, um, is us trying to put together and, and work and put this stuff on Landry Football is is try to take the individual units, because um, obviously we cover everything in, in uh, Nationwide on Landry Football, and kind of where maybe some of the SEC schools kind of stack up in individual units. And it's going into the season. Because how, how do I do it? It's based on film grade notes from last year, you know, and who's coming back. And it is, I'm going to tell you, it is, dude, it's a bigger challenge than ever before because trying to factor in Transfer Portal is A, you know, lose this guy, you get this guy, and it's not just the typical he went in he, he graduated, he didn't, but then trying to anticipate how a guy from Maryland comes in and has an impact on Ole Miss's defense. You know, some of that stuff is is just such an unknown. But you know, the quarterback units are kinda difficult to look at. Um, because you're dealing so much is on the number one guy, but um, in you know, I I think that like you know, Oklahoma's really good. I think um, I think in the conference, you know, I would say that <laughs> that, although unproven, Alabama's quarterback's room's really good. I think LSU's quarterback's room's really good. I think Georgia's quarterback's room is really good. Uh, but I'm curious to see how that stacks up. I do think that uh, I-, I actually think, and I don't know how good they're going to be, and I know what they've been. Um, I-, I think that USC's got to I- – I think Keaton Slovis would be – a guy that, that I think has got a lot of great natural abilities. But, you know, at the other positions, you know, when I'm looking at the best running back units in the country, in the SEC, Georgia comes to mind, AM's comes to mind, Alabama's good, Auburn is really good. Um, you know, they've got as good a running back as there is in the league, and I think they're really good. That's one area where they match up. I think outside of that, Oklahoma's <laughs> Oklahoma got hit a little bit this week as they've got a couple of guys that they lost at that position. Iowa State's really good. Uh, Ohio State's really good in that area. Receivers, you know, trying to look at the best receiving uh, core in the SEC is it's really intriguing because you've got some good ones, but you've got a lot of unproven. Alabama obviously was the king in college football the like, past couple of years. They're really talented. I think that um, a young at receiver, uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see kind of where this plays out. It's a little bit more of an unknown there. On the offensive line, I, I think Alabama's offensive line, believe it or not, is still talented. I think Georgia's got some questions, but they've got some really good answers. I think LSU's really good. I like Ohio State's offensive line, out west. I like Washington's offensive line. I like what Iowa State's bringing back on the offensive line. Uh, Oregon is bringing a lot, even though they lose Penesual. Um, I think they're really good. Maybe the surprise, folks, the 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 school that will that's really bringing a lot of good players, not a lot of pro prospects, but some good players. Louisiana Lafayette is bringing what I would consider. A, the best G5 offensive line back this year. Defensive line, I like Georgia's defensive line. Um, then I like Alabama's, I like AM's, I like LSU's. Um, those are really good units. Linebackers, I like Alabama's, I like Georgia's, I like Auburn's. Uh, nationwide, I think defensive line, Clemson's played a lot of young guys, they're really good. Ohio State is loaded again, uh, very, very good. Uh, don't A surprise team this year in college football is TCU. I think they've got some playmakers on offense. They always been, you know, they can get good quarterback play. They've got some really good receivers. Um, I think at linebacker, Iowa State, Clemson's really good. Indiana's really good. Wisconsin's really good nationwide. Uh, And then the secondary. I think that uh, I think LSU's got the best corners. I think they're a, a top. Secondary unit, I think Alabama's really, really talented. I think Oklahoma, believe it or not, is really good. Let me give you a surprise. And you know, I, you got Landry football, and they've got, in my opinion, uh, the one of the top half dozen secondaries in the country is Cincinnati. Um, and Ahmad Garner, uh, Gardner, uh, the corner, is really, really good. Um, so uh, I think among special teams. Because of their talent and how they utilize it and emphasize it, I think Florida and Georgia are the best. Maybe in the country, certainly best in the SEC. So I guess, you know, some interesting things that, you know, we'll see how it plays out during the season, Neil. But as I'm kind of looking at it and really kind of putting that up on LandryFootball.com, you can get more details than you want um, to sort through with players, uh, draft prospects, just overall college players, recruiting, you name it, over at Landry Football. Some of the best position units um, that I see and how the SEC stacks up in it. It's just some thoughts that I had there.
2: So you had an omission there that's interesting to me, and I guess it's because I cover the team and I'm around them a lot and I talk to people that are inside that program. If you talk to anybody at Ole Miss and you talk about what position group are you most excited about, they'll talk about running backs. Yes. They have Jerry and Ely, Snoop Connor, Henry Parrish. They liked what they saw out of Kentrell Bullock in the spring. They actually think that they have enough depth at at running back to experiment a little bit more with Ely, who has, at least with some people, uh, some first round NFL draft projections as a running back. And was that just, do you not like them as much? I do. I like
1: them a lot. I just, you know, I, you know how I go on and on and on. I could go, I could go, um, Ole Miss. I can make a case for Kentucky. <laughs> I could make, you know, again South Carolina. I even think Missouri's got some good backs. It's really good. It's really good. And so I, I, uh, I apologize to the Ole Miss folks for not mentioning. I just, I don't know if I was gonna rank them. I, I just kind of stopped. Um, to I just like Auburn, you know, Alabama. For goodness sakes. Um, the kid, it, Auburn,
2: the kid at Auburn is as good a it,
1: as is really, really good. And then, and in Georgia, my God, I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous embarrassment of riches. So it, they're really good. And look, we're going to get into it in detail when we go through the teams, but Ole Miss's offense will not be a problem. Their backs won't be an issue and they'll score and the backs will be a big part of it. So well, the,
2: the interesting thing with Ole Miss is going to be wide receiver because it, I think yeah. they to be really productive at running back. I think they're going to be good up front. We talked about Corral, but the the, the wide receiver thing—Braylon Sanders went healthy is a is a very good receiver who would start most anywhere. But after that, there's question marks. There's there's guys with potential, but there's guys who had, like Jonathan Mingo for example, very inconsistent a year ago. There were games where he was excellent. There were games where he disappeared, and so you know they've got to address that. That's that happens across the board in college football. Like there's a lot of questions in the thread right now about Texas A&M. And, you know, they're certainly one of those interesting teams. We talk about A&M a lot, and yet I think there's a lot of people that are sort of cautious about, they're, well, they're yeah. about the Aggies.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I think there's a lot – again, people tend to kind of go one way and take it another way. And the reality is um, – a and for real. I mean, I mentioned that last year when we first started the show. That program—if um, you're looking at the programs that look the most like Alabama in the SEC, Georgia and A&M are the two. How they do it behind the scenes, I'm talking about, and how it's playing out. Um, it does not mean AM's ready to beat Alabama. I don't think they are, and I think that would be an upset and maybe a significant upset. So here's what I think happens with folks. Oh, AM's getting all that hype, all that hype, and then you know they they get beat by Alabama again. Well, they should get beat by Alabama again. Alabama's better. LSU has more talent than AM. So a ms getting there, but but now the expectation is, oh, one game away from the playoffs. You better make the playoffs this year. Oh, if a going to win it, get there, it's going to have to be this year. No, it No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's, it. To me, they're really good, and I think in some areas, like everybody, they're going to take a little bit of a step back, but, you know, there's, there's two teams on their schedule that have more talent than they do. Two, Alabama and LSU, and we'll see what their record is. But I get the feeling that if they're not twelve and zero, well, they haven't done a good job. They overpaid the kid, yada yada yada, all that kind of stuff. By the way, let's have some fun because this goes into something that was sent to me by a guy named Jacob. It says, assuming Nick Saban sees his contract to conclusion, how many current SEC coaches are still coaching their programs at the same time? I'll go and.
2: So, that, that, so for, for, to help me here, yeah. how, how many years are on the Saban contract? The
1: uh, we're talking uh, – somebody maybe can help us with the numbers. It is – through the years, it's another – is another five or six years? So we're talking five to seven years. I'm okay. sorry I don't have that exact one. All
2: right, let's meet in the middle uh, and say which coaches we think will still be there six years.
1: Yeah, okay. Or Yeah, let's just say six years because I think, let's see, what are we, 21, 22, 23, 26? Somebody help us out there if they're looking <laughs> up. Is it 27 <laughs> or 28? It, it, you
2: know, let's, yeah. do it let's do it this way. Which, which coaches currently coaching in the SEC do you think are still at their current school first game 2027?
1: Yeah, and, and I think the point is, is, If Nick Saban goes to the end of it, meaning, meaning because we're not talking if he goes four years, I'm thinking if he goes to the end, like, you know, the six years.
2: So for this hypothetical, Nick Saban is coaching Alabama opening game
1: 2027. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just, you know, So who else is? Yeah. Or, you know, even, yeah. So in my mind, and I'll go through them real quick, I'll tell you that there's only two that I feel certain that's going to be there. Okay. One, one is Kirby smart because, okay. um, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if it, you know at some point he'll break through, maybe not. Again, elite program. Um, he'll win a lot, and he's not a guy that's likely to leave. Jimbo Fisher. Will be um, – and I think it's an eight-year deal. Eight-year deal in um, in 2018. No, we're talking about the extension that he had. So we'll, we'll um, do it this doesn't way. It yeah, well, doesn't
2: no, matter. Otherwise, we're, gonna, we're never going to get there. So, opening opening game of 2027, assuming Nick Saban is, who else is? Uh,
1: uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher will either be at A&M or LSU. Because he'll get – he's the guy that Scott Woodard will offer the LSU job. Because I don't think Ed Orgeron, I'll just jump right there and say I don't think he'll be there at that time. Okay. Um, so that's a little bit of a, he'll have this option to be at a or at LSU. Um, I think Dan Mullen is more likely to leave. I think that if we're talking in a five-year period, if... If George has beaten him three or four out of five years, you know, he's getting frustrated. They're getting frustrated with him. And he's got wandering eyes. He probably leaves. Um, Mark Stoops is the other guy that will be interesting. Again, he has done a good job, will do a good job. If they start to get like, well, when is he going to take us to the next level? I could see him saying, um,
2: No, he'll still be there. He'll nah,
1: I don't. I don't know that. If, if the Iowa job, if if they're if they're frustrated with him, and the Iowa job comes open in three years, that's his alma mater.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I don't know. That's the one I'm not sure on.
2: He'd be a big enough name in his fifties, though, for Iowa to hire him.
1: Yeah, he's their guy. They love the Stoopses. Okay. They love the Stoopses. They, um, uh, to be honest with you, they they. They, they love Bob. They wanted Bob, you know, before he took the Oklahoma – I mean, he took the Oklahoma job, but, it, you know. Um, and, and I think that – here's the thing. He can win in the West there. He he basically runs an SEC West uh, – excuse me, a Big Ten West program in the SEC. Yeah. So he'd he do that. I, I, and, again, I, folks, this is speculation. I have no idea. Okay? We don't know. Kirby well, no, Smart,
2: I'm holding you to this. So yeah,
1: K- Kirby Smart gets the wrong president or board member. He just says, "Screw this, I'm out of here." Anything can happen, but the key thing is to the point for people to think, Well, so and so just got hired three. We're not talking three years. We're talking as Neil said, six years. Um, Eli Drinkwitz, he's either going to have success, and he is he is a upwardly mobile guy. He's leaving, or he's not doing well enough, and they're firing. God bless him. Uh, Shane Beamer's got no shot. It just—they're so far down. They're so far. I don't. I don't see them being really patient with him. Uh, I, I, I just don't see Josh Heifel doing anything at Tennessee. It, it is just going to be a long haul. Don't think he's going to be there.
2: And I did a radio show in Knoxville yesterday. <laughs> hey. The guy was talking about the Ole Miss Tennessee game they got me on because they're previewing games and stuff and, um, he's like that's a critical game for Hypel and so and I'm I'm the, I'm the guest so I'm trying not to like start but I said but why 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 are you judging Josh Hepel on one game against Ole Miss in I think that's October I'm like that's nonsensical you're, so if he loses that game you're out. Really? And he's like, listen, it's an emotional thing because of Lane Kiffin. I said Lane Kiffin was there for one year. It was a decade ago. If he beats Ole Miss, that doesn't mean that he's going to be successful. And if he loses to Ole Miss in, this, in year one, that doesn't mean it's a failure. You guys can't do this this way, but that's that's how they're going to do it. Tennessee, Tennessee, man, you talk about programs that are off the rails. I mean, completely off the rail. The car has gone through the rail. Over the overpass and it's just sort of hanging in midair, sort of like cartoon. You ever watch Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner? And the road Runner would go through, <laughs> It's
1: been a while, Neil, but yeah. <laughs> but the
2: the roadrunner would go racing off and he would get off in the middle of the air and he'd stop and he'd look around and he'd realize, Oh God, I'm gonna fall. That's Tennessee. Tennessee is the roadrunner in midair. They they can't they can't fix themselves.
1: Look, this is the third consecutive head coach at Tennessee. That's inherited a mess, an unmitigated disaster. This is three in a row. We're talking about just two winning records in the SEC play in the past 13 years. Let me say that again. 13 years, they've only had a winning record twice in SEC play. Only been to four bowl games lot lot of lot of things going
2: so um right, hold that thought we'll get to the rest of the rest of the league in just a minute i want to tell you uh, we're brought to you by alpha specialties located at 1670 highway 80 in pearl mississippi it's your trailer specific professional if you want to haul it they can call it at alpha it's the premium trailer dealership in mississippi they've got load trail which is the premium brand trailer the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailers being built today Fully primed and powder-coated, low-trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark cargo trailers. It's one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market today. Perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camps, hauling race cars, and more. Also, Alpha can work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. And for podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100, a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories, and listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop, where they can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. So give them a call. 601 932 9798, or check them out at alpha of ms.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about alpha on SEC football and beyond.
1: So, who haven't gone through? Arkansas, uh, Sam Pittman, um, you know, in a, in a six year frame, it's going to be tough, um, because there's going to be expectations to be up in that top three or four, and, and I don't think they will. Uh, I mentioned, I think I mentioned LSU in passing, but. Don't think Ed's got any chance um, mm-hmm. of surviving that. Um, Mississippi State. I don't think uh, Leach. Oh, that'll that's going to implode with Leach uh, in, in 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 and of itself. And I think that the inconsistency is going to drive them crazy. And I think I think that leaves Ole Miss. Um, and I believe that Lane is the one guy that. Is building something good and can do a really good job, but I don't see Lane staying. I, I think Lane is going to be leaving for a good opportunity, and I think there's West Coast interests as well as a good job in the South. And so I think there's, and then obviously if he doesn't have success, then, you know, uh, I think there's a better chance he leaves than he's like does a bad job and gets fired. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I think keeping him. So I i'd say that there's i'd feel comfortable in saying that there's two and yet there could be like two that i don't think are gonna make it will make it and two that i do just other things and i'm not talking about we have a, a hugh freeze situation where you know something blows up off the field i can't i can't control that um you know but kirby is 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 you know other than that is the safest one because the program will be really, really good, and he'll have some. He'll, he'll. I think he'll still lead the East, and I think that if you, if you have the attitude that you've got to beat um, Alabama on a regular basis, then, then you know, no one is going to make it. Kirby is Kirby's got the best program in the conference. It's not named Alabama. It's the one that's so they. He's the clear signing, and I think. Jimbo as I said uh, and to answer the question because let me tell you why Jimbo stays at AM, is because he's got his program he's built his program it'll be really good he'll be in a position to have the best program in the West post Saban and I think this is where people are gonna look at it and he's money's not gonna be an issue he gets everything he wants and he can do something that hasn't been done at A&M and that's You know, when he wins, they'll be building statues of Jimbo as opposed to, you know, not having a little mini me of of next to him and Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Now, let me tell you why, real quickly, why he would leave A&M. is if he gets to the point where he hears all this stuff from his people we paid you all this money, you can't win the title, you can't beat Saban, right? This, all that stuff. He gets frustrated. His buddy, Scott Woodard, will make him an offer and say, we've had Les Miles and Ed Orgeron win national championships here. You know you can win here at LSU. And obviously, he's got a good, close relationship with Scott. He's, you know, had a lot of background at LSU when he was there with Scott. I- I'm not predicting it. I'm just telling you that's the first call that Scott Woodard makes if things trend the way they are. Jimbo falls flat on his face, he has off the field problems, whatever, then all that's off. I can't can't have that crystal ball on that. But that's how I see that playing out. So I'm not saying he's leaving again. I'm saying that I think that he's very likely to be in the SEC at one of the two programs. I just I, I would say A and M right now, but I could see there's another option for him. And he's not an NFL guy, he hasn't been. No. And he's not somebody that wants. He's not Lane Kiffin that wants to go. You know, if if they don't have great NCAA problems, which the NCAA can't do anything anyway, the Arizona State job, for example, would be a, a, a goldmine opportunity for a Lane Kiffin. If he, you know, if, he, if Jimbo Fisher would never do that, I, Jimbo would never. I'm I'm going out west and I can win there because you can win at Arizona State. Yeah, that ain't Jimbo. That would be lame, you know. So I, I look at things about knowing these guys, who would most likely leave, who would most likely stay, and answering the question as best I can when I really don't have a flipping clue what people's personal issues are and things like that, just don't know.
2: Yeah, so I look at this, and I'm, I'm, I'm being a hostage to the scenario we painted, which is Nick Saban still at Alabama in 2027, which means he's still winning. So I don't. I agree with you that in this scenario, Ed doesn't make it, which means that this season blows up. This this it it all just becomes too much this season, and I don't know that I don't know that I I agree with you that Scott Woodward makes the call to Jimbo. I don't think Jimbo takes it. I don't think Jimbo at that point goes, "Okay, I've built a and m. I'm going to leave a and m to." Timing's everything. Yeah, I'm going to leave a and m to Billy Napier or someone who's going to come in and 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 carry it where I've. A little further, and now I've got to compete against the program that I built and against Alabama, while rebuilding LSU or whatnot. I don't. I don't think he would do that. So, I, in this scenario, I think Jimbo's still at A and M in six years. I agree with you about Kirby. I look at the rest. I don't. The only one that I could see, because I could see Sam Pittman getting Arkansas consistently to six and six, seven and five. And they might look at it and go, "Is it really worth risking it right now?" Where he's he's very popular there; they love him. He's very good with the media. He's very good with public. We'll see. But I do I do, I tend to agree with you that they wouldn't be settled. They wouldn't be satisfied with that, and they'd move on. Um, I agree with you about Kiffin. I don't think six years from now he's at Ole Miss. I think there's more of a chance of that now than I would have said a month ago because I think he's begun to build something here a little bit and knows it. And because of the money in the SEC, there's only so many places you can go. Um, and Ole Miss is desperately trying to kind of build the program to hear his specifications, and the longer he stays, the more he likes it and the more it becomes his program. But I tend to agree with you. He goes west or to Miami in, in, in the next six years. Leach isn't there. Um in this scenario, and this is the interesting one, Auburn's interesting here. In this scenario, Saban's still there. And so it's six <laughs> more years of competing against Saban, and we've seen how that's worked out. So I'd bet against um, Harson, but it's certainly possible that he's still there. He's a good coach. That's a great program. He's a
1: really good coach.
2: I could see it happening. Uh,
1: but, and boy, it, you, lo- you lose to Georgia and Alabama yeah, every year. It's the th- 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 those folks are not going to accept it is what I'm what I'm thinking.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And yet yet if, if if he can if he can hang on to where it get beyond Saban and he can improve his recruiting, he, he he the reason why, and we'll get into this in the Auburn breakdown, the reason why Gus lost it is not that he, he's getting out recruited by Alabama. Everybody's done. he Gus got his ass kicked by Clemson by Georgia, by Florida in recruiting, and Brian harson is going to have to prove that he can recruit at a top five level. If he can't, he's not going to outcoach everybody. And he you know, eight and four. To,
2: eight, he appears to be off to a pretty good start in recruiting. I'll oh give you yeah. boy,
1: it, it's 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 it, it's it's early, yeah. But it's got to it's got to get a lot better, I think. But and you then, go ahead, not then, to interrupt you.
2: And then in the East, you know, I mean, you talked about we, we talked about Mullinagry. I don't think he'll be there. um Drinkwitz will be gone from Missouri. He'll get a better gig. I mean, everybody makes fun of him, and he does come across as kind of a nerd and sort of weird, but he's a really good coach, and, and he's he's going to land a good job. And um, he, he won't be at Missouri in six years. Um, who, who am I leaving out? Um, Vanderbilt won't happen. I agree with you about Beamer at Carolina. It's just too, too tall of a hill. We talked about Heupel, and then we talked about uh, Stoops at, at Kentucky. So – you know more about that than I would. I, if you told me that, that, Bob, that, I mean, that, my, that Stoops is still at Kentucky in six years. I could. That,
1: that, that's the that's the third one I would. If you said, give me a third one, I could see Stoops saying I'm going to be there. Because you would think they would be smart enough to say, and, and as bad as, as Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and South Carolina are, I mean, Kentucky will finish top three, top four, for the next foreseeable. And, and if they understand that we're getting it done here at Kentucky that way, then there's
2: no, there's no heat on. on yeah, heat
1: they, well, you know, um, most people are smart enough, but I, I get a lot of that. When is he going to take that next step? There is no next step at Kentucky for yeah. gosh sakes.
2: but there I mean, is he, no 90 some odd plus percent of their fans. Yeah. Well, That's you'd, you'd hope you'd happy. hope what they are. Yeah, but but I mean I think I think yeah, Yeah,
1: the vocal minority, and and so does that infiltrate in four years? Well, he still hasn't done it. Well, then you better you better understand that he hears enough of that. He'll say, you know what, I'm going to Iowa or somewhere else.
2: But they keep Um, giving him more money. They keep rolling his contract over.
1: It's (laughs) a great place to live, and And he likes it too.
2: And at, at Kentucky, they just want you to get to basketball season, and and he gets he gets them there every year.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, you just, you just, again, don't know. Folks, it's a, it's a, it's a great question, Jacob, and have no clue, but try to answer it in a fun way. Of course, is what kind of craziness does LSU create when Ed is fired? I, I, look, I don't know. And, and I keep hearing this, the NCAA, and I don't know what the NCAA is doing. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to come out of the closet. We're having fun. Uh, I, I don't know. That's going to make the job, you know, worse or, you know, it's a great job. Um, it, it, it could hurt the prestige of it depending on what it is. Um, let's see what else is, um, you're trying to, some some questions we have. Um, da, 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 da. yeah, you know, Blake says, uh, you know, maybe Beamer wins in year two. It's not going to win in year two, and if he signs a six-year deal, that doesn't matter, it's going to be gone. Um, that's that's kind of the point. I mean, I, I, and I don't know about the years. And Ginger says, "Why would Jimbo leave for in for LSU?" I, I don't know that he would. We talked about why he would, or 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 wouldn't. So uh, a- anyway, I think it's really interesting. Got another question um, that was sent in. Uh, How many Power Five players enter the transfer portal end up with another Power Five school? So uh, I went ahead and I got that in. Um, Email and again. You can send it to Twitter at Landry Football or email contact Chris at Landry Football. And, and uh, so I checked it out and I looked it over. And to this point, since the transfer portal was started, only 26 percent. If you're a, if you're a player that leaves a Power Five school, do you end up at another Power Five school? The answer is 26 percent of the players. is what it it's like 26.2, I think. Um, I don't know. If that surprises you out there or doesn't, um, it, It's it, it, to me, it's not, not all that surprising when you consider all the aspects. Um, Chad asks on Twitter, do you see graduation rates increasing due to NIL? How often have you found that round one to three prospects declare solely for money? Um, here's what I think will happen. I mean, it, they all go to the NFL for money.
2: Um, there's still going to be more money in the NFL than there is in the NIL. There's... Yeah. The, the,
1: the, the, thing that I think could happen is that they have guys that are late around picks and they kind of want to stay Um. in, in, in you know, look, Saban does this at Alabama better than anybody. Look, and of course Alabama a different beast. So I, but I think, and, and LSU, by the way, hasn't done a very – they're, they're the, the other example of – they get guys that are fourth, fifth-rounders that want to go. And, you know, some of them think they're going to go higher and don't. Some of them think um, that, you know, they, they're – I don't care if I'm a fifth-round pick. I'm going to go anyway. I, I think it's, it's individual. Uh, I think that you might get guys that will understand that if you come back to school And you play and you develop you can go from a late round pick to say maybe a second third round pick and and now you can make some money to where it's worth your while to stay another year you might see some of that now here's the key though is I've often said this some of these guys jump before they leap and what I mean by that is they don't take care of their school they're not even eligible so a lot of these guys that declare for the draft they declare because they didn't keep up with their academics in the fall, and they have no choice. They are ineligible, so they declare for the draft. I mean, we always say, do your job in school. Stay eligible. Stay towards working towards a degree. Novel concept, I know. Laugh if you want, but as a coach, you say, you know, learn. Get an education. Get a degree. You know, stay a- give yourself an option to come back. If for no other reason to be eligible to develop as a football player, I think you could see some of that. But I don't don't think you see, I don't know that the graduation rates are going to increase. If you stay in school a little bit longer and you come in early, that combination, Chad, may give you a little bit more graduation rate percentage. But not quite sure how to address that yet. I need to see a little bit, this NIL work a little bit more. And then this other question was was it Chad that sent in, considering your discussions about the haves and have-nots in college football, can you tell me in the last 30 years how many schools have won the national championship for the first time in their history? Twice. Florida and Florida State. In the last 30 years, your national champion in college football has won a national championship before, so the the first time they jumping through, and you know, for people say, well, what's the point? I mean, you know, they could win if you have this guy. You know, it it, it the, the facts bear it out. If if you haven't done it, now there are a lot of them that have done it in the past. That modern day don't do it. Minnesota's won seven national championships in their history. They they're not a national championship caliber program. Pitt is won like seven. You know, those are the things. Um, don't know. Um, Tony asked, what are the chances Arkansas gets in a bowl game? Tony, I, th- I people think it's a slam dunk. I don't. I think they're right at that five to six win mark. So that's, that's kind of where I see that. Um, I don't know if you see it uh, differently, Neil.
2: Yeah, I don't know. You would know this better than I would. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to give that some thought.
1: I just, you look at it, there's an expectation at Arkansas that they're going to take that quantum leap. Remember, they were good last year because by comparison, they were just god-awful last couple of years. Um, When you look at it, um, when you can't win a game in like over two years, Winning a couple of games, being competitive. Oh, that's great. Now the expectation is, oh, we're going to win three more this year. You Look at the schedule. Uh, it's not going to be a quantum leap. We're, we're going to get into Arkansas on in the breakdown. I think they're well coached. I think they do a really good job. But unless they start recruiting in Texas or northern Louisiana better than they are now, they're going to be competing at the bottom of the west more will, than the will, middle of it.
2: I will say this as we, as we head out. I don't get the impression, and and again, now the Arkansas people that I know are mostly college-aged and their parents and that kind of thing, and they're not hardcore nut job football people. You know, I don't mean that negatively. I just mean they're not. They, they they they're realistic. I don't get the impression that at least right now there's a ton of pressure on Pittman to make a giant leap in the records. I think people are pretty excited about the way that they played. They were far more competitive. They weren't getting blown out, with the exception of Alabama and and maybe one other. They were they were in games, you know, they played Auburn really really well. They they played Missouri really really well. I mean they, they I don't I don't think there's an expectation that they're going to go win 7 or 8 games this year. In fact, I think most of the people there expect or would look at 6 and 6 as maybe the ceiling and would take it right now if you offered it. I think they there's an expectation though that he's going to slowly recruit better and slowly build them back to a place where they're consistently competitive maybe I'm completely wrong I just I just don't think that a lot of their fans expect the miracle right now
1: that would be smart because I think they can be competitive go to ball games whether it's this year or not I think they're getting there I just people that think that that want them to be in the top five nationally like they were in a stretch a little with Petrino um I, I think that's that's a bar that that's really, really high. That's going to be tough to achieve. Hey, uh, for those of you uh, that have joined us on the way out, want to remind you some big news. We're excited about it. We are, this show, if you're watching us live, and I know a lot of you are, bless you, we appreciate it. We Starting Monday, starting this coming Monday, July 12th, this show is being moved to 5 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be doing the show live like we do it, but in the afternoon. So hopefully that will, we think it's going to get more people that maybe are off of work or whatever. Hope you get a chance to listen to us, watch us. Uh, We hope you listen to us if you're driving on the phone and not watching us. But but certainly it'll get us there. And then what it will do for those that are consuming this as a podcast, it'll get you an early morning drop on Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings. So remember, uh, if you're listening, if you're watching this, you can watch us. Same channel, but different time and day. Monday, five p.m. Central, and Thursdays, five p.m. Central, six p.m. Eastern, both days. So, really excited. Again, if you get the podcast um, where you currently subscribe, you're going to get it. It's going to be transferred. If you're having trouble, uh, you can go uh, to thepodcastpark.com. We're excited about our partnership with Dickey Broadcasting and the Podcast Park family. Um, we're, we're really excited about taking it to, to the next level. And we're, we're, we're able to do that because of you guys, your your support. And we're going to start Monday, Neil, breaking down these teams. Um, and we're going to call it two-a-days. And we're going to get into other stuff. And we're going to take your questions, by the way, in the chat room. We'll continue to do that. We'll probably make it more of a mailbag segment like we did today going forward, uh, but we're going to break down two-a-days until we get through all of them, and um, and, and we're going to go Arkansas and Vanderbilt. We're going to take a West team and an East team each day. Arkansas and Vanderbilt are up on the docket Monday, and Mississippi State, South Carolina on Thursday. So have your questions, have your thoughts. We're going to go to that, and then certainly we'll take your questions in the uh, mailbag segment. So, Neil, I know you're excited. We're excited about making the transition. Remind everybody, Monday, 5 p.m., so if you check us out live on Tuesday at 9 a.m., where'd the guys go? Remember, you'll, you'll get that notice if you've signed up. You'll get that notice that we're going live Monday at 5 p.m. Central Time. We start a new a new, uh, a new, new uh, association with the podcast part folks.
2: So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll see you next week on another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. Take care.